Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Jordan Paris Show. I did not intend on getting behind the mic today. I was waiting till next week to release the next episode. But after watching yesterday, on Thursday, November 19th, the entirety of the 90-minute press conference featuring Trump's legal team on the electoral fraud, I have a lot to say, especially after hearing this morning, or seeing, rather, all of the headlines that came out from the mainstream media networks. And I'll start right here with that. This one is from Politico, this headline, Giuliani and fellow Trump lawyers crank out conspiracies as legal challenges implode. Number one, okay, conspiracy. So it's just something you don't like that's coming from a, from conservatives. That's what a conspiracy is. And legal challenges imploding. Well, I'd say that actually the exact opposite. It's really coming together to the point where I'm almost certain that Donald Trump is going to be president for the next four years. It's another conversation though. Rudy Giuliani, this is another headline from the Washington Post now. Rudy Giuliani floated dangerous and incendiary false claims of election conspiracy, and Fox News broadcast it live. That is the Washington Compost, as the great Mark Levin would call them. Of course, Fox News broadcast it live, and of course, CNN and MSNBC and all the other fake news networks, of course they would not broadcast it live because they're intellectual cowards and they know that if people actually watch the entirety of the 90-minute press conference yesterday or any Trump speech for that matter, that they'll end up liking the, the guy. They, they will, if they see the entirety of that press conference, that they'll actually be like, oh, maybe there is actually evidence of voter fraud here. So this one, this is my absolute favorite. This is from the all-knowing arbiter of truth, the moral authority, Twitter. There is no evidence of widespread voter fraud in the U.S. election. Fact checkers confirm following the Trump campaign press conference. Oh, so much there. So, of course, it's the number one story on Twitter, it's it's trending on Twitter, the very top of their feed today. Of course, it's not actually trending. It's just something that they push to the top artificially They because, you know, they're the moral authority. They have something to say about the election, their official news source. Uh, there's there's no, no voter fraud. Fact checkers confirm. Who are these fact checkers? These mystical creatures, these totally unbiased fact checkers that claim to know everything. I mean, at the end of the day, these I'm pretty sure that these fact checkers are are also just human beings. And I I I wouldn't bet that they know more than Trump's legal team at all. So fact checkers my ass. Just because fact checkers confirm it doesn't mean anything. I think almost any time something says fact checkers confirm there's probably something being hidden that they don't want you to see. But it's, you know, I it's okay. Uh, it, it turns out that Trump, his lawyers, and the thousands who swore to voter fraud under the threat of perjury, they were all wrong. There's no voter fraud after all. Fact checkers confirmed it. Don't worry. It's just a conspiracy theory, actually. Thanks, Twitter. <laughs> does, it, does anyone actually believe this stuff? 
Does anyone actually believe it's a conspiracy theory? Does anyone actually believe when so when when a, a fake news publication says fact checkers confirmed? Does anyone actually believe that? I I don't know if I know I don't know anyone personally that that believes that I I I just they think we're stupid they really do the condescension in that they think we're so stupid anyone who watched the entirety the ninety minute press conference in its entirety recognizes the absolute absurdity in this blatant headline propaganda from Twitter, Washington Post, Politico, and of course, all the other sources too. This is actually another one too from CNN. The racist rhetoric behind accusing largely black cities of voter fraud. So if you question these Democrat-run cities like Philadelphia, or almost any large city for that matter, then you are inherently racist. You're not allowed to ask questions or else you're racist, even if there is plenty of documentary proof of cheating spanning decades in these cities. No, you're racist. They've been cheating all the time. Like it's it's not racist. It's just it's just that it's a Democrat run city. It's a Democrat run city and they know they can get away with with cheating. They don't they don't cheat in Republican run counties. They don't cheat in in neutral counties. They cheat in Democrat run places. And these are all the uh, most big cities are Democrat run where they can get away with cheating. It's not it's not racist. Uh, you, you're really you're really we're, we're playing the race card again. I, I, I just I can't even believe it. So so this is a word. This is a word that in 2020 everyone should know and, and be aware of. And here's the definition. Well, <laughs> I got to tell you about the word. The word is gaslighting. The definition is a form of psychological manipulation in which a person or a group covertly sows seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or group, making them question their own memory, perception, or judgment. And gaslighting the American people is exactly what these mainstream media outlets are doing. Nothing to see here. There's nothing, no no evidence, no none of that. Fact checkers confirm it's okay. Nothing to see here. Move along. This is all this is all a setup from the media and the actions of the media, what the media says has consequences. All you have to do is look to Rwanda in 1994 between April 7th and July 15th of 1994, over a half a million Tutsi people were slaughtered with machetes. And so what was going on? There was this this feud, this ideological feud between the Tutsi people and the Hutu people. And the Hutu people, they had this, they had a, a radio, a radio network called, what was it? Oh, RTLM. That was the radio station. And that was a source of propaganda and it fostered the things that they said on that radio program on a daily basis. It was all to foster intense hatred, intense hatred of the Tutsi people. It's, it is very similar to CNN, the, the cable news network, the Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, sowing these seeds of hatred for anyone with a conservative view. These mainstream media outlets are, are training people to hate conservatives. And what happened in Rwanda in 1994 
April 7th to July 15th. Just what, what is that? Like three months? Between 500 and a million people are the estimates of people that were slaughtered with machetes, or Tootsie people that were slaughtered with machetes. It's like Democrats slaughtering half a million Republicans with machetes in the streets. And many experts on the topic of the, Ro- the Rwandan Civil War say that this could not have been possible without the RTLM radio station. It mobilized the Hutu people. It gave them such a hatred to a point where it mobilized the Hutu people to kill. It really outstanding. And and now, now in 2020, the media is manipulating you. They are setting the entire U.S. population, or at least half the U.S. population, to be enraged when Trump finally does win, which I do believe will happen. I might look like an idiot in a couple of weeks. I could be proved wrong. That I, I could be wrong. I'm open to that. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's what's going to happen. They're setting you up to be enraged when Trump finally wins. Then at that point, the dictator narrative will begin. The amount of propaganda in America right now has, has risen to and even surpassed Stalinist proportions. And if you don't see it, it's working. This is downright evil, what the mainstream media outlets are doing. Journalists, I believe, have failed the American people, and they should really be ashamed. Journalists are, are, I I think Trump said it, and and he was very, very right. I think he said it months ago, that the mainstream media is the enemy of the people. And it couldn't even be more true. Even people who who agree with everything, with all the headline propaganda that the mainstream media spews out, even people who agree with it, they are still the enemy of those people. It is training those people to hate conservatives. It is fostering a really unhealthy hatred. And yesterday, regarding the press conference, it was... The attorney, Jenna, Jenna Ellis, it was, who, who'd said about over halfway through that this is just an opening statement. We have we, we presented to you a little bit of the documentary evidence and the affidavits, but there is so much more that is going to be shown in the courts. This is just an opening statement. So people who are saying that this is just a conspiracy and that there is no evidence, one, they're just not listening and they're getting their news from headline propaganda. And number two, they don't know how court proceedings work. And if you support democracy, I've I've said this before, if you support democracy, election integrity, and the accuracy of the election, then you should have no problem with Donald Trump exercising his right to challenge the results of an election where there is plenty of documentary proof of voter fraud in the courts. I, I, I I, I just don't get it. If you really believe that, those things... I, I, why not? You really you you think it was right? You think there's no fraud? Then then and you're confident in the result of the election as, as it as it was called by the mainstream media outlets? Then then okay, let it let the court proceedings go. I, I just I, I don't I don't get it. And I think that this extreme show of calmness and coolness by the media oh there's no evidence here, nothing to see, move along. I think it really signals fear. And I've mentioned this on my podcast many times. People are probably getting sick of hearing it from Robert Greene's Laws of Human Nature, 
deciphering the shadow side, usually under the emphatic trait, rests the opposite. So under an extreme show of aggression, usually rests a lot of insecurity. Under an extreme show of virtue and morality and always being on the right side of things, think about social justice warriors, rests the opposite, a lot of hatred and pent-up aggression and misery. And under this, I think, from the mainstream media, under this extreme show of calm and coolness, I think there's a lot of insecurity and fear and nervousness behind it. I think that they know what's coming. And so they are setting setting up the people to revolt. That's why they've come out with these headlines calling the election. It's like giving a baby a pacifier and then taking it away. And now this baby is going to scream and cry come December 14th. And I'll wrap by saying this. The Fake journalists in the mainstream media, and pretty much all leftists, they think that the ends justify the means. But I'll tell you what, the ends don't justify the means that it takes to get there wherever they want to go. These people, since they believe they are the moral authority, they are the arbiters of truth, and they're morally superior to everyone, to all of us, they will lie cheat, and steal to achieve their ends, whatever they are. They will lie in the mainstream media with headline propaganda. They know people will share it, put it on their story without reading the article. They will cheat in official elections, and they will steal elections to achieve their ends. They think the ends justify the means, and they don't. And my call to action is Stop. Just stop sharing headline propaganda that confirms what you want to believe or what you already believe. And actually, before you comment on matters like this, do your research. Before you say there's no evidence, watch the entirety of the press conference. That's not possible to say there's no evidence after watching that. Anyone with two eyes and two ears knows that. And this, specifically in this instance, is something that I encourage all people to do. What I'm going to do for the next few minutes of the podcast, I am going to roll into the start of the press conference. The audio is going to play for a few minutes, and then it's going to fade out, where you can then at that point watch the rest of the press conference on YouTube. I will put a link in the description of this episode, and it will also be in the show notes of this episode. And the audio that I'm about to play is courtesy of The Independent on YouTube. I don't even know if I'm allowed to to play this, but I I just don't even care because I, I think it is this important. I think it is crucially, critically, vitally important for people to hear and listen to this entire press conference. Here's the first bit of it. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon. And thank you very much for coming. Uh, This is um, representative of our legal team. We're representing uh, President Trump and we're representing the Trump campaign. Uh, When I finish, uh, Sidney Powell and then then Jenna Ellis will follow me and we will present in brief the evidence that we've collected over the last, I guess it is two weeks. Also, uh, Joseph Jennifer, Victoria Tenzing are here with me. There are a lot more lawyers working on this, but we're the, I guess we're the, we're the senior lawyers, <laughs> and Boris Epstein. 
So, I guess the best way to describe this is when we began uh, our representation of the president, we, we certainly uh, were confronted with a very anomalous set of results. The president way ahead on election night, seven or 800,000 in Pennsylvania. Somehow he lost Pennsylvania. We have statisticians willing to testify that that's almost statistically impossible to have happened in the period of time that it happened. But of course, that's just speculation. As we started investigating, uh, both our investigations and the very um, patriotic and brave American citizens that have come forward are uh, extraordinary. Extraordinary number of people, extraordinary number of witnesses. And what emerged very quickly is this is not a singular voter fraud in one state. This pattern repeats itself in a number of states, almost exactly the same pattern, which um, to any experienced investigator, prosecutor, would suggest that there was a, a plan from a centralized place to execute these various acts of voter fraud specifically focused on big cities and specifically focused on, as you would imagine, big cities controlled by Democrats and particularly focused on big cities that have a long history of corruption. The number of voter fraud cases in Philadelphia could fill a library. Just a few weeks ago, there was a conviction for voter fraud, and one, two weeks before that. And I've often said, I guess sarcastically, but it's true, the only surprise I would have found in this is if Philadelphia hadn't cheated in this election. Because for the last 60 years, they've cheated in just about every single election. You could say the same thing about Detroit. Each one of these cities are cities that are controlled by Democrats which means they can get away with anything they want to do. It means they have a certain degree of control over, certainly control the election board completely, and they control law enforcement. And unfortunately, they have some friendly judges that will issue ridiculously irrational opinions just to come out in their favor. So let's start with the specifics. Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, the margin of victory now for Biden, which is a not a victory, it's a fraud, is 69,140 votes. The reality is that we are now at a count of 682,770 ballots for which we have affidavits that there was no inspection of that ballot at the time that it was entered in the vote. It was a mail ballot. Mail ballots are particularly prone to fraud. We were warned about that by Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter, and Secretary Baker in a report about a dozen years ago in which they said that mail balloting is particularly uh, susceptible of fraud, that we should very carefully consider ever doing it, and that it can be taken advantage of. Justice Souter warned us of the same thing in a comment in an election law case and even the New York Times wrote articles about how uh, dangerous mail voting, mail-in voting was. And um, this is the first time we ever did it en masse. And I think we proved that uh, all three are profits. It's not only susceptible to fraud, it is easily susceptible to fraud, particularly if you have a 
plan or scheme, which sounds eerily similar to what Joe Biden told us a few days before the election, that he had the best voter fraud team in the world. Well, they were good. I don't know that they, they were that good because they made significant mistakes, like all crooks do, and we caught them. One of them was pushing out Republican inspectors. Every state, almost every civilized country, even Tanzania and pl places you, know, you wouldn't think of, have uh, rules about inspectors, particularly for mail-in ballots. And why particularly for mail-in ballots? Because they can more easily be defrauded and you can't check on it. People who have never done a mail-in ballot, you, I'm going to show you why it's so easy. Well, you fill out an envelope like this. You put your, usually in, in New York it would be your, your assembly district and the, and the precinct in which you're voting. You fill out your name and your address and you sign it. You then use an inner envelope and you put the ballot inside the inner envelope. You seal it all and you send it in. When it's being, when it's being counted, almost invariably in the United States up until the mass cheating that went on in this election, a Republican and a Democrat inspector, as well as others, if there are other parties, is allowed to watch the unsealing of this ballot. Used to go on all over America when we conducted honest elections. Because the only time you can ever find out if it's a fraudulent ballot is when it is looked at. The minute you approve this, it's thrown away, gone for eternity. The only thing left is the vote. That could have been Mickey Mouse. That could have been a dead person. That could have been not filled out properly. That could have been the same person 30 times. That could have been, and all these things have happened, by the way. That could have been um, nothing filled out. We'd never know. So for example, the recount being done in Georgia will tell us nothing because these fraudulent ballots will just be counted again because they wouldn't supply the signatures to match the ballots. So it means nothing to have counted these ballots because, for example, in Pennsylvania, where we have probably our most precise evidence, 682,770 of these ballots were cast, put in, and they weren't inspected, which renders them uh, ballots that are null and void, cannot be counted, have to be removed from the, from the vote. Uh, why? For several reasons, not the least of which is that was basically only one of two places in the state where it was done. So in the other parts of the state, there was a legitimate inspection of the ballots. So if you have two different standards in different parts of the state, one favoring one part of the state, the other disfavoring the other part of the state, that's a classic violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the United States Constitution, uh, Bush v. Gore being the most recent case that uh, that, that teaches that. Uh, that's not the only fraud that went on in Pennsylvania. All of the other frauds carried out in the other states by the Democrat uh, bosses uh, happened there as well. For example, if you made a mistake in that ballot and you lived in Philadelphia or in Pittsburgh, 
uh, you were allowed to fix the mistake. But if you lived in the what would be considered more Republican or Trump part, parts of the state, you were given no such uh, right. One of our plaintiffs, Mr. Henry, cast a absentee ballot, and he failed to put it in the secure envelope inside. He just put it in open, naked. That ballot was cast aside because it was invalid, because that breaks the um, privacy of the, of, of the vote. In Pittsburgh and in Philadelphia, if they noticed that there wasn't an inner envelope, they'd contact the voter and allow him to vote again. Or if he didn't fill it out completely, or if he made a mistake and didn't sign his full name, he was allowed to cure it. There is no such provision under the law of Pennsylvania. The Democrat Secretary of State made that up in order to maximize the votes in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and to minimize the votes in the other parts of the state. Clearly illegal, clearly voter fraud, easily provable, hundreds of witnesses, maybe thousands. We have, um, to give you another example, we have 17,000 provisional ballots cast in Pittsburgh. Do you know what a provisional ballot is? Provisional ballot usually happens this way, and about 15 of the 17,000 happen this way. You walk in and you say, I'm here to vote today. Oh, Mr. Giuliani, you already voted. I did? I don't remember voting. Oh, yes, yes, you cast an absentee ballot. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. So why does that happen 17,000 times in Pittsburgh? People walked in thinking, they actually 15,000 to be precise, why did it happen 15,000 times that people in Pittsburgh walked in to vote and they had already voted according to the Democrat election machine? Did they forget that many people with uh, bad memories in Pittsburgh? Or is the following correct? that uh, as witnesses will testify, they were instructed by the Democrat bosses when they had a ballot in which there was no one registered, just assign it to somebody. Just assign it to Rudy Giuliani. So when Rudy Giuliani, maybe Rudy Giuliani won't show up to vote. And if he does show up to vote, we'll give him a provisional ballot. That is what we call circumstantial evidence of the fraud. The direct evidence of the fraud of the people who will testify that, in fact, that's what happened to them, as well as the 50 to 60 witnesses we have for the way they were treated and not allowed to inspect the ballots. They weren't just um, not allowed to do it. They were pushed. In a few cases, they were assaulted. In all cases, they were put in a corral so far away, probably the closest they got is from here to the back of that room. We could do like a, uh, did you all watch My Cousin Vinny? Did, you know the movie? My, it's one of my favorite uh, law movies because he comes from Brooklyn. And uh, when the, the nice lady who said she saw, and then he, uh, he, he says to her, how many f fingers do I, how many fingers do I got up? And she says, uh, three. Well, she was too far away to see it was only two. These people were further away 
than my cousin Vinny was from the witness. They couldn't see a thing. Now, I don't know. You're going to tell me that 60 people are lying? They, they, they didn't just tell me this. They swore under penalty of perjury, which is something no Democrats ever done. <laughs> you don't even ask Biden about this. <laughs> you don't put, put him under penalty of perjury. He, he doesn't even get asked questions about it. He doesn't get asked questions about all, all the evidence of the crimes that he committed. These people are under penalty of perjury. Their names are on an affidavit. They swear that they weren't allowed to carry out their function as inspectors. And it's not just a technical thing. There's a reason they did it. Why would you not allow people to carry out the function they've been allowed to do for 50 years, 60 years? Why wouldn't you allow inspections of those ballots? Because you knew you were going to use those ballots to catch Biden up. And you had a big road ahead of you. You had to catch him up for 700,000 to 800,000 votes that he was behind. And the only way you were going to do it were with the mail-in ballots. You couldn't have a Democrat and Republican inspector around. They don't even have Democrats watching it. Because they'd be afraid that they'd be honest Democrats who would say, you're cheating. So that takes us to Michigan, where there was an honest Democrat who said they were cheating. And we'll show you her affidavit, because I know you keep reporting falsely that we have no evidence, that we have no specific acts of fraud. That's because the coverage of this has been almost as dishonest as the scheme itself. The American people are entitled to know this. You don't have a right to keep it from them. You don't have a right to lie about it. And you are. I mean, you don't report to them that a citizen of this country, a very fine woman, who is willing to allow me to give, her, uh, give you her name. I can't give you all these affidavits, because if I do, these people will be harassed. They'll be threatened. They may lose their job. They will lose their friends. We've lost lawyers in this case because they've been threatened. We've had lawyers that need protection. What's going on in this country is horrible, and the censorship that you're imposing is making it worse. But Jesse Jacob is an adult citizen and a resident of the state of Michigan. She's been an employee of the city of Detroit for decades. I know her age, but she, she can tell you her age. She was, um, she was assigned to uh, voting duties in September. And she was trained by the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan. She was basically trained to cheat. She said that um, I was instructed by my su supervisor to adjust the mailing date of these absentee ballot packages to be dated earlier than when they were actually sent in. The supervisor made that announcement for all workers to engage in that fraudulent practice. That's not me saying that. That's this American citizen saying that under oath. I don't know. Maybe you could say she's lying. But you can't say there's no evidence. This is what we call evidence. This is direct evidence. Not circumstantial. I tried many, many cases, as did all my colleagues here. You put a witness on a witness stand, witnesses testifying to their own knowledge. This witness goes on the witness stand and she will say, 
I was told to adjust the date on the absentee ballots. I witnessed election workers and employees going over to the voting booths with voters in order to watch them vote and coach them for whom to vote. Completely illegal. She will testify to that. I don't know. Biden's people can cross-examine her. But you can't just throw it away. Gee, there's no evidence. Next time you say that, you'll be lying. Because there is evidence. This, oh, by the way, this is public. You can all get it. It's attached to the complaint in Costantino versus the city of Detroit. Then she was instructed by my supervisor not to ask for a driver's license or any photo ID when a person was trying to vote. Don't ask for identification. Why would you not ask for identification? Because you knew that a lot of people not entitled to vote were going to come in and early vote. Because you knew that illegal immigrants were going to be allowed to vote. You knew, if you lived in Philadelphia, unless you're stunad, that's an Italian expression for stupid, unless you're stupid, you knew that a lot of people were coming over from Camden to vote. They do every year. Happens all the time in Philly. It's about as frequent as getting beaten up at a Philadelphia Eagle basketball, uh, football game. Happens all the time. All the time. And it's allowed to happen because it is a Democrat, corrupt city. And has been for years. Many, many years. And they carried it out in places they could get away with it. They didn't carry it out in neutral places. They didn't carry it out in Republican places. They didn't carry it out where the law is respected. They carry it out in corrupt, in a corrupt city where the district attorney releases criminals en masse, which is why it has so much crime. She also said, I observed a large number of people who came to the satellite location to vote in person, but they had already applied for and submitted an absentee ballot. So, so she observed a lot of people voting twice. Again, this is... Jesse Jacob, not me. I was instructed not to, not to invalidate any ballots and not to look for any deficiency in the ballots. Why would you do that? Because you're cheating. On purpose, cheating. Intentionally cheating. You're cheating as an institution. This is an instruction from the election commissioner or the, the employer, to, to the worker. Don't look for any deficiencies in the ballots. I was instructed not to look at any of the signatures on the absentee ballots. If she was instructed to look, not to look for any of the signatures on the absentee ballots, why the heck do you sign it in the first place in order to identify it? She was instructed not to do that because many of the absentee ballots were fraudulent, and they knew that. And they didn't want to have a count of that. On November 4, 2020, I was instru instructed to improperly predate the absentee ballots when the receipt date was actually November, was, was after November 3rd, 2020. Now, this is really significant because Justice Alito of the Supreme Court instructed Pennsylvania that any ballot that comes in after 8 o'clock on November 3rd, 2020, 
had to be put aside and not opened because there's a question as to its legality and its constitutionality. What she's telling you is that they blatantly disregarded that order, that they took ballots that were marked the fourth and the fifth and the sixth, and they marked it down for the third in blatant disregard of the order of the United States Supreme Court. This is, this is uh, I don't know if she's a Democrat or Republican. I assume if she's working, if she's working for the, I, mean, I assume if she's working for the city of Detroit that she's a Democrat. I assume, but I may be wrong. She's a citizen. I've, I've never met her, never coached her. And I'd like you to note that it's signed under penalties of perjury. We have a hundred more of these. I can't show them to you because those people don't want to be harassed. They don't want to be, have their lives torn apart by the goons on the other side. We don't do that to them. They've done that to a lot of our people. They've done it for four years. And it's outrageous that it's tolerated, and it's tolerated because you condone it in the press, and you don't cover it, and you don't condemn it. And it shouldn't happen to a Republican or a Democrat. A lawyer shouldn't have to withdraw from a case because he's representing the President of the United States. There are many more affidavits here. I'd like to read them all to you, but I don't have the time. You should have had the time and energy to go look for them. That's your job. Like it's my job to defend the President and to represent the President. It's your job to read these things and not falsely report that there's no evidence. Do you know how, you know how many affidavits we have in the Michigan case? 220 affidavits. They're not all public, but eight of them are. F four affiants here, those are people who give affidavits, report an incident that under any other circumstances would have been on the front page of all your newspapers if it didn't involve the hatred that you have, irrational pathological hatred that you have for the president. What they swear to is that at 4.30 in the morning, a truck pulled up to the Detroit center where they were counting ballots. The people thought it was food, so they all ran to the truck. It wasn't food. It was thousands and thousands of ballots. And the ballots were in garbage cans. They were in paper bags. They were in cardboard boxes. And they were taken into the center. They were put on a number of tables. At that time, they thought all the Republican inspectors had left, all but two had, and an employee of Dominion, who uh, we will address a little bit later, Dominion. And here's what they jointly swear to, that every ballot that they could see, everything they could hear, these were ballots for Biden. When they saw a ballot, these were ballots only for Biden, meaning there was no down ticket, just Biden. Many of them didn't have anything on the outer envelope because these ballots were produced very quickly, very swiftly, and they're estimated to be a minimum of 60,000, maximum of 100,000. Many of them were triple counted, which means they were put into the counting machine this way, once, twice, Three times. I didn't see that. I don't know that, but for the fact that three American citizens are willing to swear to it. 
And we're not going to let them go to court and do that? We're going to let this election go by when there are, in this case, 60 witnesses that can prove what I'm saying to you and other acts of fraud in Michigan? I mean, what's happened to this country if we're going to let that happen? What happened to this country if we're going to cover that up? We let Al Gore carry on an election dispute longer than this one has been going on for one state and for Chad's. This happened in Pennsylvania. It happened in Michigan. Michigan probably right now, if I count up the affidavits, just one case alone, Trump v. Benson, a case that we dismissed today because that case was attempting to get the Wayne County Board of Supervisors to decertify. Well, they did. They decertified. That case has 100 affidavits. And the 100 affidavits show essentially what I've uh, talked to you about. Counting ballots improperly, counting them three and four times, uh, having, people, having people vote three and four times, changing and backdating ballots to the point of at least 300,000 illegitimate ballots that we can specifically identify. The margin in Michigan was 146,121. And these ballots were all cast basically in Detroit that Biden won 80-20. So you see it changes the result of the, of the, of the election in, in Michigan if you take out Wayne County. So it's a very significant case. That is being raised in the case of Costantino versus the city of Detroit. Not by us, but by an individual plaintiff. We are helping and assisting in that case, however. And you can find all the affidavits that you want filed in that case. And you can find out they're not just allegations, they're allegations supported by sworn testimony, which is a lot better than Joe Biden has ever done on anything. He doesn't answer questions, much less give you sworn affidavits. Wisconsin. Wisconsin had a very small margin, 20,544 20, last time I looked. In Wisconsin, Without going into great detail, very similar plan. Uh, Republicans shut out in the city of Milwaukee and also in Madison. Republicans almost uniformly shut out from the absentee process, not allowed to inspect, not allowed to look at the ballots. We have in Milwaukee and in the state of Wisconsin a much stricter law. Wisconsin doesn't allow mail-in ballots. They didn't buy into the big mail-in ballot situation. Wisconsin, when you look at their constitution, almost seems to not like absentee ballots. They state it's not a right, a privilege. And they have very, very strict procedures. And the strict procedure says that you can't be given an absentee ballot. You have to personally apply for it. It's illegal, basically, to solicit a vote. And they have actually many reasons for it. It probably goes back to their, their progressive days. When I say progressive, I mean late 19th century, early 20th century progressive, when that really meant progressive, not retrogressive. So there are 60,000 ballots in Milwaukee County and 40,000 ballots in Madison that as far as we can tell, and this is why we've, we're auditing, because we have very good information that the numbers are going to come out about here that don't have applications. 
under the law of the state of Wisconsin, already decided, if there's no application for an absentee ballot, the absentee ballot is thrown away. This all happened in two places in Wisconsin. Didn't happen in northern Wisconsin. Didn't happen in Republican Wisconsin. Didn't happen in neutral Wisconsin, where there are an equal number of Republicans and Democrats. It happened in a place where the vote was 75, 80% for the Democrat. You take away any number of those, and that 20,000 lead disappears. In other words, if you count the lawful votes, Trump won Wisconsin by a good margin. Indeed, if you count the lawful votes in Pennsylvania, he won it by about 300,000 votes. Also, in the, in the lawsuit filed in Wisconsin, which is really a petition because of their uh, procedures, there were no, no inspectors provided for the count of the illegal ballots. There were numerous backdated ballots. We're just counting them now run over into the thousands, and there were many precincts in which there was an overvote. Now let me explain to you what an overvote is, which is something you should have explained to the American people, because it's about the clearest circumstantial evidence of massive fraud that you can have. An overvote is if 200% of the people who are registered in a district vote. Think about that. 200% of the registered voters in a district vote. What does that mean? That means somebody voted twice. That means somebody who's not entitled to vote voted, an illegal, a person from another city or state, a person who's not registered. <laughs> but what it means is that those are illegitimate votes. You don't have an overvote of 200% or 300%. You don't have an overvote of 100%. Most, most uh, precincts don't have 100% turnout. In fact, classically, it's considered to be an overvote if you go over 80%. Well, in Michigan and Wisconsin, we have overvotes in numerous precincts of 150%, 200%, and 300%. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of The Jordan Paris Show. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, there are a couple of things that you can do. Number one is, of course, share with your friends and family. I think that they would really appreciate it. Number two, we have a free community, a censor-free community on Telegram. You can join that group at jordanparis.com slash group. I'd love to meet you. And lastly, your voice is powerful and it is important. And if you'd like to use your voice and start your own podcast, I'd love to help you out. JordanParis.com slash course is where you can find my free course on how to become a rock star podcaster. That's all. Thanks everyone for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of The Jordan Paris Show.